Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galing. This is our monthly astrology and tarot podcast where we take a look at the celestial landscape, what's happening in the stars. We pick a tarot card to fit the vibe, all with an eye towards inspiration and helping you to lead a more conscious life. Hello, Stephanie. Megan, how are you? I'm good, but I have a little bit of a head cold today. So if I sound a little stuffy, that's why. Because <laughs> you are. Because I know I'm not stuffy. No, that's not what I meant. Your head is stuffy. You there sound. You go. Yes, my head is very stuffy. You're never yes. stuffy. You sound great. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so let's take a look at the astrology for June. And I just want to start out by saying June is definitely a less dramatic month than last month, May. Oh my gosh, that eclipse, the full moon and Scorpio lunar eclipse. I think that just kind of like got everybody one way or another. So this month is more fluid. We do have a couple of stations retrograde with both Saturn and Neptune. We're going to talk about that. But all in all, let's just say I think things are going to be a little bit easier this month. So let's start. Let's just jump right in with the Sagittarius full moon, which is on June the 3rd. And you've got to love a Sagittarius full moon, right? Maybe the theme for this full moon is more, more, more. <laughs> I was going to say, why do, why do we love a Sagittarius full moon? What's your thoughts on that? Well, why do we love a Sagittarius full moon? Right. That's what I was asking you. <laughs> well, because it's a party. Yes, totally. You know, this is the thing. It's like Sagittarius has this such a wonderful, outgoing, buoyant energy. You know, it's so social. It's, you know, it's it loves to play and have adventures and excitement. And with the moon just amplifying all that, I actually think that on the third, that could be a really kind of fun kind of day. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's so funny. It feels so meta, even the conversation to get to, like, what's it about is very like, you know, because the sun's in Gemini, which is about asking questions and curiosity and the moon's in Sagittarius, which is like, what's the bigger meaning? Like, what's the purpose here? So um, yeah, I'm all with you on that, right? Like the moon in Sagittarius about exploring and that sort of sense of joie de vie and like what else and you know and always when that gemini and sag are together there's that quest there's that quest there's the quest and the questions yes right like and that sense of you know, wanting to learn and wanting to explore and wanting to like collect facts and figures, but not to leave it at that so that we can find a greater sense of understanding and a greater sense of meaning from an on high perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Sagittarius is so expansive. That's the more, more, more. And, you know, it's this desire to like expand our consciousness and expand our mind. Now, there is a caveat here right? And all of this expansion, sometimes we can like expand too much. Sagittarius is notorious for uh, too much food and drink is what I think they used to say back in the day. Because it's kind of this party sign, one thing maybe to look out for is overindulging. Right. Sagittarius is like limits? What's limits? (laughs) What limits? 
Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, but that's a great way to kind of kick off the month, I think, yeah, with sure. some fun Sagittarius full moon energy. And then what we've got coming up of note would be on June the 5th. Now, that's the day that Venus enters Leo. And we've also got a Pluto opposition. So we've got uh, Venus and Leo about zero degrees, and we've got Pluto in Aquarius about zero degrees. So let's talk about that also This makes me think back to last month when Mars was in Leo, also opposing Pluto. So it'll be interesting to see, and when was that? That was March, no, May 19th. If there's any through lines with this, you know, from from the Mars-Pluto opposition to the Venus-Pluto opposition. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm in agreement with you, right? So just like Venus entering in Leo, enters Leo, what we cherish, what has value, what we find rich are those leonine qualities, right? Of self-expression, of generativity, of creativity, you know, even just that sense of like wanting to, you know, paint the town red, like to dress up and to like that sense of glamour, that sense of drama. And, you know, I think too, when Venus is in Leo, there is that invitation to want to be seen and recognized yes, yes. for the value and virtue that we all are and all have. And yet, right, when anything opposes <laughs> Pluto, you know, it's not so like, oh, yes, just like, you know, let's all go to the opera and let's all just like have cocktails, right? It's, it's this sense of really needing to dig into the underbelly of what do I really cherish? What do I really value? Do you mm-hmm. really value me? Yeah. And so Pluto always, you know, either turns us towards the urge and the urgency to unearth what's hidden and or it has us think, oh, something must be hidden, right? So we get more suspicious. So that's uh-huh. always something I think to look out for when Venus is, you know, with Pluto like this is, you know, do we have more suspicious minds? Do we not trust? And maybe for good merit and measure, but maybe not. Like, so just to watch that potency for like, oh, you must be hiding something from me, dear person who I'm in a relationship with. Well, that's interesting that you're bringing this up. And of course, Venus does rule relationship, you know, so this could be, uh, you know, something that does come up. I love that you're bringing that up. And also with the polarity between the Leo and the Aquarius, you know, the Leo is all about me. And then the Aquarius is much more about, you know, the greater good and the community. And so there might be a little bit of a tension or, you know, push pull around me versus you, right? Or me versus my needs versus the greater good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, it can be rocky and stormy, right? Like that Mars Pluto mm-hmm. opposition, which was right around the time of that new moon and like the 19th, 20th was intense. Like it was very yeah. like, I would call it like shaken or stirred. Like how did you, we all sort of respond to that. And, but I do think the way to move through this and go into this Venus Pluto is what parts of your relationship or the way you approach relationships is no longer vital, has reached its expiration Mm. date that you do Mm. want to like 
let die or to kill off, right? So that something can get regenerated, you know, something that is full of life. So that's how I would orient to that and go into it constructively. Yeah, I love that because, you know, Pluto, death, rebirth, transformation, and it could be where things are unearthed that you do need to give a timely death to or to let go. And, you know, we've got this in the sign of Leo. And even though I said this month is less dramatic, Leo does tend to be dramatic, but it again, it's not like it was last month. It's 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 a different kind of drama, right? Exactly. <laughs> More of a glamorous drama, perhaps. Okay. So let's move on and talk about the Gemini new moon. This is happening the day after Saturn goes direct retrograde. So we've got Saturn going retrograde on the 17th. And then the very next day we have the Gemini new moon. And we've also got an aspect with, um, with Neptune. So let's start with the Gemini full moon. And then we'll talk about the the Saturn going retrograde. Yeah, great. So like the Gemini new, Gemini new moon, right, is yeah. always that yearly like beginning something that's related to education, related to understanding, related to communication. And yet, right, that Gemini new moon this year squares Neptune. Yeah. And so it does feel like important to have that sense of balance, like allowing yourself to wander and wonder and allowing yourself to like go with the flow. And I think that that can bring us to a place of further understanding, turning on your imagination, turning on your intuition, turning on your compassion and your connection to the, the art and to the muse. And yet I think that we have to all make sure, right? Gemini could be in its head and Neptune can be in the clouds that yeah. we like do that constructively as opposed to just like wandering in a way that we perhaps, you know, lose something or lose ourselves or lose our um, sense of place, right? Or proximity yeah. to like things like the couch and our stub toe <laughs> or what have you. Like, I think we have to really pay attention to being in our bodies as we're allowing our minds and our spirits to um, take us places or else I feel like it could be of concern. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I think about the Gemini, you know, versus the Pisces, you know, like you're saying, Gemini is so mental and intellectual and Pisces is intuitive and very much about the, the higher or different realms. And there could be a conflict there or maybe ultimately a balance between the intellect and the intuition and finding a balance point there or how those two energies could work together. I also think that one of the other things that you're bringing up is just when Neptune kind of comes into play, there can always be this confusion. And both Gemini and Pisces, water and air, as you're saying, are not the most embodied <laughs> embodied sides. We've got the air, you know, which is the realm of inspiration, intellect, and then, you know, Pisces, which is like you're saying, the intuition and the imaginal. So it's not necessarily the most embodied energy. So I, I think it's great that you're pointing out, stay grounded. Make sure that you're not so out of your body that, you know, things happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is like 
even more important as well, because as you mentioned, right, the day before Saturn turns retrograde, and as we know, right, the days before and the days after planet shift signs, it's what it invokes, what it inspires, what it invites is very, very strong. And Saturn is all about like, what's real, what's in front of me, you know, not about cutting corners, like really about paying attention to your surroundings, paying attention to what you can see, what you can feel, what you can measure. And so my concern is if we drift off in our minds in a way that is not, um, or we're losing our sense of navigation, if you will, in an unhealthy way or an unconscious way that Saturn is right there and it may sort of remind us of those consequences. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. I mean, Saturn does have consequences if you're not playing the Saturn game and very much about being intentional about your movement and also to really look at things more long-term instead of short term. So, I mean, ultimately, I think Saturn and Pisces, Saturn provides a lovely container for Pisces. But on those couple of days, the 17th and 18th, there could be conflict around that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it does both, you know, because that Saturn's in Pisces and that Neptune's in Pisces, it has me think like, how can we all be diligent and Mm. responsible and really like focus on the architecture, the structure, the vessel of something maybe related to communication, related to like sharing our thoughts and our ideas as opposed to just like, yeah, whatever. Let me (laughs) tell you this thing. It's there's a diligence, right? There's a sense of like holding that sense of, again, from an accountability or an authority perspective. And I think that might be the way, like dedicating myself to like, I'm going to take some time over these days to journal or read a book or research something that's important to me or, you know, meditate or look at my dreams, something where we are creating a structure that allows our minds and our spirits to soar, gather new insights and bring that down into something. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's so Saturn. And, you know, as a creative, I what I think about it might be a really great time to commit to a creative process, where awesome. you're really, you know, not just dabbling, or we all think about I'd love to do this or that. But Saturn says, put the pedal to the metal here, you know, are you really going to commit to this process long term? And, you know, we've got Venus and Leo this month. And so that's this lovely, lovely, buoyant, creative energy. So I'm thinking I might commit to a, a new a whole new creative process I here. I love it. I love that. That just feels incredibly key to commit to a creative process. Yes. Love yes. It. Love it. Perfect. Perfect. Commit okay. to a creative process. One last thing with that is yeah. I would say commit to create, and maybe because I like alliteration, commit to a creative process and create and commit to living life more compassionately. That also feels yes. that, that Neptune and that Saturn in Pisces, right? Yes. Yes, I'm so glad that you got the compassion in there. And, you know, Leo's a heart sign. So, you know, to live from the heart yeah, might be yeah. a but really- But definitely like around that time, Saturn, go slow, dot <laughs> your eyes, don't cut corners, right? Like just remember that time is your ally. Don't push 
faster than is really what some is required of something. Slow your roll, right? Slow your roll. <laughs> Slow your roll. Okay, great. So let's move on because this month, of course, is the summer solstice. So officially in June, and it's on June 21st this month, we are in, well, at least in the uh, Northern Hemisphere, we are in those wonderful summer energies. And, you know, one of the best descriptions that I've heard of the solstice on an energetic level is this is a time where we go from action, all that action of that spring energy, rebirth, put yourself out there to nurturance or nourishment, where this is a time where those seeds that we've planted or those new endeavors or new beginnings, we can really start to nurture them a bit. Plus it's summer. And so those energies of like fun and lightening your load a little bit, we're going from that dark energy of winter. And by dark, I mean more internal, a little bit more heavier into these lighter, more vital energies of summer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just always feels so sacred, right? Around those two solstice points. Like we've reached Mm. a sense of the, you know, both an extreme um, of light or of dark, you know, the sense of a, of a pinnacle. And in, in that, it always feels like a really good time to like reflect to see like what feels like, how do you hold so much space? What feels like it's at its extreme? You know, how do you honor the light and the dark? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I have to tell you, I'm looking forward to the summer. I think it's going to be a wonderful time to just have some fun. So solstice is always that, you know, sea change, big turning point. You feel the energy shift. So happy summer, everybody. So now I kind of want to, or we kind of want to wrap things up by talking about Pluto. And we didn't, nope, nope. What did I forget? Yes, which is perfect actually for what you almost forgot, (laughs) which is the very like the Neptune retrograde, (gasps) the Neptune station since Neptune again. How could I forget the Neptune retrograde? Because it's Neptune, right? It's that it's so flowy things. It makes things sort of dissolve and disappear. So it's so meta. It's perfect. Don't forget Neptune. And that is happening, what, June 30th. So at the end of the month. And as we were talking about, you know, before, anytime we're in a station going retrograde or direct, and this one's retrograde in Pisces, it intensifies that energy. And of course, Neptune's in Pisces, which is Neptune's ruling planet. So Oh boy, that is very Neptunian. So talk to us a little bit. We've talked about some of the themes here with Pisces, but bring in a little bit of that Neptune energy for us. Yeah, I mean, I really think, you know, it's about flow. You know, I always love when I think about Neptune to think about the images of the ocean, Mm. right? And that the, the tides come in and the tides come out. Like Neptune always reminds us of that sense of impermanence. It also reminds us of, you know, yes, the in the ocean, there's drops of water, but you can't really isolate them, right? There's like this sense of unity, the sense yeah. of interconnectivity. It's those types of things that we may be reminded of always when there's Neptune's strong Neptune energy to honor the water, to be mm. with the water, uh, you know, in any which way that you can do that. I've also been... Um, really connecting to this notion recently, I've been studying this man's work who studies awe 
and how awe, his last name is Keltner, um, and how awe, which feels very Neptune, just letting yourself get lost in a stage of wonder, right? Mm. Being in awe of nature or not awe of whatever you see in front of you how allows us to instill more compassion. It has incredible benefits in terms of you know, our stress levels or our heart health or things like that. And so it's not that we have to like wait till Neptune's strong to like practice awe, or as he says, a good exercise is taking awe walks, just like walking around for five minutes, your neighborhood and just being in awe of the things that you see. But I would definitely feel like those Neptune times are an incredible time to invoke awe. Wow. The time of awe. That is amazing. I look forward to having some aha moments, right? I think that's a wonderful guide point. And again, it just seems to work so well with that summer energy. Maybe we'll be walking along some beaches somewhere and have that moment of awe Um, and just really opening our hearts and our minds up to the wonders and the magic of the world that we don't always pay attention to. I mean, we can get so caught up in the busyness of every day and our schedules and what we're doing and the timing just to take a moment for awe seems like a really amazing and beneficial thing to do. So can we talk about Pluto now? I We, we yes, kept this actually to the end of the podcast because we didn't want to start another podcast starting out with Pluto. We've talked a lot about Pluto in the last couple of months. So what's happening? Pluto is actually going into Capricorn briefly before it goes into Aquarius again. So we've got this dance with Pluto between Capricorn and Aquarius and these energies. And we're actually going to be dealing this with for the next year or so. So it's, I feel like the energy around this makes me feel a little bit disjointed. And perhaps it's about finding a way, how do we work that bridge between those two energies? Yeah, I mean, it's always such a big deal when, especially an outer planet, and this is the most outer most planet, and it's still a planet in our view, um, shifts signs, because then it is in the landscape of a whole new realm that is related to, you know, certain other archetypes. So here's this dance, you know, Pluto... Uh, was in Capricorn since 2008, and it like dipped its toe into Aquarius this March, and it goes back and forth. Like to your yeah. as you're saying, in June 11th, it goes into Capricorn until sometime in January 2024. Then it goes back into Aquarius, and then in the fall of 2024, it'll go back into Capricorn for a little bit. Like it's this volleying yeah. of Capricorn to Aquarius, and Pluto, as we know, is the planet that really like tears down the artifice, right? It really pulls down that which is shrouding what is true, what is real, what is vital. Pluto is also related to control and to power. And here we have it sort of playing this tennis game or this pickleball game, if you will, between Capricorn and Aquarius. And so it feels (laughs) like over these two years, we're seeing how those two signs relate. Like Capricorn in terms of like structure of society and the economy and capitalism and patriarchy and government and Aquarius being related to 
um, technology and space and humanitarianism and, you know, the power of the people. And, you know, already in the last couple of months with Pluto and Aquarius, we've seen this like, I mean, AI has been around for a bit, but like that's all everybody yes. talks about now since yes. you know Pluto went into Aquarius. And will we see more when it goes into Capricorn, more regulation, right, related to AI, for an for example, like, or how will we see the structures of our society being morphed and shifted because of this, like, you know, going really deep into the belly of these these Aquarian principles, and so. It does, but it does feel with Pluto going back into Aquarius, we're going back into like getting to the depth of the structure of how are our structures? How yeah. is the foundations? Like how is this house that we've built, right? Whether it's, you know, again, of our governments or economies or family structures. Um, but it does feel like really, really evidencing and unearthing what's in the ground and what's underground. And it may not impact us so personally, but it will because we're all living in this collective sphere. So yeah. just to watch how the sh the energy shifts and what trends emerge. Yeah. And as you're talking about this, it, it's, it's right now what's unfolding. I mean, look what, what's happening at Twitter. It's, you know, to me, we've got both so present. We've got the Capricorn, which is saying, we're going to hold on to the patriarchy and not let it go. And then we have the Aquarius going, screw the patriarchy. You know, we're going to bust all of this open. And it feels like both of those energies are so present right now. And I think when we find, when Pluto finally goes into Aquarius, you know, for a while, we'll start to see much less of the, the Capricorn, you know, restructuring that's going on around the patriarchy. And, you know, you mentioned this is happening collectively, but it does, as you said, affect us personally. And let's just mention too that, you know, we've got uh, the, you know, the cardinal signs and we've got fixed here. So, cause we have um, Capricorn, of course, is a cardinal sign. It's in the very last degrees of that. So those of you out there that are cardinal signs, Libra, Capricorn, Aries, especially if your planets are more towards like what, 28, 29 degrees, or if you're a fixed sign, because Aquarius is a fixed sign and it's at zero or the very beginning of Aquarius. So if you're fixed, Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius at the beginning degrees, you could really be feeling this a lot more personally. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get too technical, but if you want more information, just reach out to us. We can help you unpack that. But it's something to look out for. Yeah, for sure, right? Because it's not just like Pluto's like, hey, it's like <laughs> keeps on visiting and revisiting and revisiting. It's like a two-year process of really um, shape-shifting in the yes. ways whatever planet or point in your chart happens to be at that location. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was great. I'm glad that you brought that up. And, you know, I think it'll be really interesting on a collective level to watch over the next year and a half in terms of yeah. this folly between Capricorn and Aquarius and, you know, hoping that we come to a more uh, sort of altru, we come to a deeper level of altruism and a democratization as opposed to obviously a lot of people's concerned with you know, from a Capricorn Aquarius perspective is like that power and control like resides more in like the technocrats and the people who like 
are in control of technology. So hopefully there'll be yeah. some good um, regulations put in place when Pluto's in Capricorn to like curb things that could really shapeshift our society in ways that we may not want it to. Yeah, like you're talking about with the with the AI. Exactly. So one can hope. One can hope. So that's our Pluto update for the month. Stephanie, I think it's time for the tarot card of the month. And so I've got my cards out and I'm shuffling. So what we decided is we're going to pick a card at random and I'm going to shuffle. And Stephanie, you're going to tell me, she's tapping in, tell me when to stop shuffling and we will see what the card is. I'm being very sad and I'm just like waiting and waiting. And waiting. Like, okay, already. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Saturn. It's about having patience and knowing when the moment is. How about now? <laughs> you are being so Saturn here. All right. So, are you ready? The tarot card for June is the Knight of Pentacles. This is interesting, of course. So in the tarot, knights are seekers. They're like young adults. They're not pages. They're not children. They're not kings or queens yet. And so they're on a journey or an adventure of achieving something or, you know, realizing something. The realm of pentacles is the earth realm and pentacles are very much about money and finances and career. And of course, around the body as well is the physical material realm. And what they say about the Knight of Pentacles is it's the steady Eddie card. The Knight of Pentacles is like, put one foot in front of the other foot. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Don't futurize, show up every day and do what needs to be done. And by doing that, it's very Saturnine in a way, isn't it? Like if you show up and you do the work and you're diligent and you're committed, you may not feel like you're setting the world on fire or there's really exciting stuff happening. But by the end of a period of time, you find that you've accomplished so much by just being on that steady one day at a time path. So with what's happening this month, I think the Knight of Pentacles is a great reminder to not get ahead of ourselves and to take things one step at a time, knowing like Saturn would tell us that we will end up accomplishing something. I love that. I love that reminder of that pace and that orientation to take. Yes. Steady Eddie wins the day. Slow and steady wins the day. Well, this wraps up another episode of So Divine. And also just a reminder out there that we love hearing from you. Just send us an email at sodivine.us. Of course, you can find Stephanie at her website, stephaniegaling.com, and me at my website, meganskinner.com. We love working with people and helping you to explore your astrology and other things. So Stephanie, do you have anything going on this month? Yeah. So at this point, I don't have any classes or events that I'm teaching. I've been, I'll be seeing clients all this month. But I think the one thing that I do want to share is that I've been doing more and more work with people who are going through their Saturn return. And so I've been doing more sessions focused on that. So if that's you, you know, and you're in your late 20s and you're, or you're turning 30 or you're in your late 50s, 57, 58, 59, and you're moving through the second Saturn return, you know, I found 
found that these sessions, you know, clients have really said that they've helped them to get an understanding of this period of time and what they're moving through. So if that's you, um, send me a note and we can talk more about that. Yes, the Saturn return, such a interesting and productive time. And what about you, my friend? Well, my, you know, it's summer. I'm kind of in the summer mode, so I'm not going to teach any classes this month either. I am putting together a fall schedule, but of course I'm seeing clients, but I'm kind of thinking maybe I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit this month. Great. I love that. I love that. Well, big thanks to everyone out there. And as Megan said, we love hearing from you. And of course, a big shout out and tons of gratitude to our producers, Nick Patreon, Sebastiano Tecchio. We couldn't do this without you. So, Megan, happy June. Happy June, everybody. We'll see you next month.